quick shout out from our sponsor, Sheer ID. Are you trying to boost conversions to your Shopify store? Need to drive more customer loyalty? Get results fast by offering exclusive discounts to consumer communities with Sheer ID. Sheer ID helps verify students, teachers, military, first responders, and so much more of these groups. With Sheer ID, you'll get a verified match in seconds. You can spit out an exclusive discount for customers on the spot. Try speaking directly to a new customer segment with this verifiable identity without adding friction to the shopping experience. Continue to drive incremental revenue in the next 90 days post-purchase with more tailored messaging for your email and SMS campaigns. I personally tested ShareID to see just how easy it was to get set up, and I was pretty much ready to go in under 15 minutes. The onboarding was simple enough for me to follow as a non-technical person. Go to sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Once again, that's sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Hello and welcome to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Each and every week I get to talk with and learn from enthusiastic guests, freelancers, agency folks, in-house marketers, and founders, all in an effort to help you bootstrap your D2C brand profitably. We got two episodes a week, which will have you staying up to date on the ever-changing industry and learning fundamental concepts and tactics to apply to your brand. Enjoy the show. Today's guest is a lover of metal, going to concerts, and the founder of JXT Group, Manahem Ani. Welcome to the show, dude. How are you doing? Great, great. It's a beautiful day here on the Jersey Shore. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Yes, Jersey Shore. You've been in. You've been running Google Ads for. You corrected me before we got on. Nineteen years now, and so you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot of platform changes. You've done a ton of different industries, but e-commerce is one of your focuses with your agency. So, what's what's a common misconception that brand owners or even uh, agencies and freelancers have about Google Ads and like how to use them for growing a brand? Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one. Um, I think my thinking has changed a lot over the years as the platform has changed. You kind of have to adapt to to really stay ahead. Um, you know, common misconception I would say, like a couple of years back, we were probably more hesitant to use things like smart bidding automation, whereas like today the the algorithms have gotten a lot better. They're definitely far from perfect, but I'm a lot more open to trying them. And we've seen a lot of success for our clients. So, you know, I, I would encourage people to test things, but obviously make sure you monitor and, and, and push, push it in the right direction. Yeah. I, there's so much, uh, man versus machine, uh, like with Facebook and Google and YouTube and TikTok, all these platforms. Now it's like, ah, just trust the AI, trust the robots. They're smarter than you. Well, Someone, someone made the machine, right? Like, we're not perfect either. So uh, I understand. The... Yeah, I think like for me, the, for me, the biggest piece with it is like, you definitely can't just trust the machine because the machine, like you said, it's created by people, but also it works based on the inputs that we give it. So you really have to make sure that you're tracking your KPIs, whatever measurements, whatever goals you're giving it is feeding it the right data so that it can make the right decisions. And that that's where you'll see success. Yeah. So it's, it's feeding it the right inputs so you can get the right outputs. 
So for, for Google, what, what are some of those inputs that we're talking about? If I'm, I'm a bootstrap founder, I'm like, okay, cool. I, I know I got to do Google ads, but like, I don't really know where to start. So what are the like inputs you're talking about for uh, that, that Google ads button? Yeah. So I think like for, for e-commerce specifically, there's a couple of inputs. One obviously is, is the conversion tracking pixel, allowing the system to see when an order is placed. And, you know, in addition to that, all the other micro conversions along the way, email signups, add to carts, product views, you know, whatever action somebody takes on the website, allow the system to gather that. So it knows who's a more engaged user and who's a customer. And it can use that to try to find similar people in, in its targeting. But uh, on the other side, and this is really important for e-commerce, folks is your your product data feed that you're sending to Google Merchant Center. You know, you're not choosing keywords that the system should target and shopping and performance max. So you've got to make sure that your product titles, descriptions, categorization, you know, and all the extra columns, whether it's it's uh, color, size, style, gender, you know, all that stuff is filled out and giving the system as much information as it can so it can find who is going to buy from you. Right. So that's, that's, that's a good starting point. So, uh, you make sure you get the pixel and tracking set up so that technically like you can actually track and speak from the ad platform to Shopify and analytics and all that stuff. But then also the, you're talking about the product data feed and this like shopping feed. So, uh, what's, what's something like, can you break that down a little bit more of like what that means and what that how important it is yeah sure so i think like a common thing that we see is like a, a brand will be selling a product and you know the product page is a beautiful page and let's say it's a pair of eyeglasses and it just says something like you know the the collection name on the product page but like the user looking at the page knows it's a pair of glasses and they see the collection name and like that's enough but when you send that data feed to google if google is just getting something like you know this is the um the X collection, it doesn't, it doesn't have the keywords behind it that drive the AI. And so a lot of times you'll have that in the secondary fields and the categorization, the product type, the custom labels, but you really want to make sure that stuff is, is front and center. Like, you know, aviator glasses for men, that's got to be in the title. So the system knows that. Okay. So, okay. That's really good to know. So that is, you don't have to have that on the product title on your Shopify site. Uh, but when you're putting, you're telling Google, you want to put that, you want to put that in. Okay. So it's not just plug it in together and send it off. Like you want to look at your feed and edit it and check it out beforehand. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, feed columns that, that can be utilized that Google has their own taxonomy. Um, and they, you can look it up in the help center every there's a category for everything you want to make sure your products are categorized correctly that the titles are descriptive the descriptions are descriptive and you're basically feeding the system as much as it can to help find you the right customers got it so that's what you're talking about in the, like just a few minutes ago it's the right inputs and making sure you're you're giving it the right stuff so it can like serve the serve to the right people the right people are looking for the right products and Exactly, exactly. And then the next piece that I would layer on top of that is so first you have your conversion tracking in place. So the system knows what actions people are taking. Second, the right targeting. But then lastly, it's it's what bid strategy you're using and guiding the machine to get you the performance that you want. So like, for example, if you're aiming for a certain ROAS, you want to hit a certain 
you know, you spend the dollar, see $2, $3, $4 on revenue. How do you get the system there? And so I find that, you know, just especially with a brand new account, you don't want to just jump into it and set it target return on ad spend, target ROAS to 4X. Like you, you kind of want to start in a way where you allow the system to gather data typically with manual bids or like a max conversion strategy just to drive traffic and allow the system to learn and then slowly switch to target return on ad spend and in increase your, your target KPIs until you get to where you need it to be. So that, that's the other aspect of it. Like our job is to guide the machines. Yeah. So don't start off. Ah, oh, my first dollar in, I'm going to make $5 out like right away. Right. Like you need more data, you need the right inputs, you need the right tracking setup, and you need time to right. monitor this stuff. And, and the machine needs more, the right stuff to gobble up. Exactly. And like exactly. Learn what is working for your brand and what exactly. You want. Cool. Okay. That's great. So you got the tracking, you got the data feed, and then the bidding and starting out on that. Um, so that's great. So that's how you um, kind of get started on Google ads. So of that being said, uh, when you're kind of your, your agency, like runs a bunch of accounts uh, at Facebook and Google and all these kind of stuff. But when you're auditing a Google account um, before you take on a client, whether it's from a other freelancer agency or the founders doing it themselves, like, are those the three main buckets you're looking at of like low hanging fruit? Or how do you kind of approach that? Yeah, I mean, so we typically look at a lot more than that, but that's definitely the, the first place to start is the data, you know, making sure the system has the right data, because if it's tracking wrong, like we've seen accounts where it's tracking revenue twice, you know, so like right away, you're, you're way off base, um, or if the tracking is, is broken or missing pieces. Um, so we try to make sure that the data piece is as, is as clear as possible and as accurate as possible. Once that's done, it's a lot more onto the strategy side of things, like how the campaign is structured, what type of campaigns we're using, um, what the budget allocation is between the different types of campaigns and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're, you're double checking the fundamentals and then you're kind of going into, okay, like, how is this, how is the machine working for this specific brand? This brand, they're selling this kind of product. It costs, we know that it costs this much. So we're looking to get this amount of return um, and then kind of the account structure campaigns, uh, ad sets and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So when you're doing that, what's, what's a very, what's a couple common things that you're like, this is so basic and fundamental, but you seem to, you seem to like find over and over and over again. And uh, we're just trying to help people. We're not trying to call anyone out. So yeah. So just like, I think for me, the biggest thing is a lot of times I see people with overly complicated account structures, you know, when you have, when you have more campaigns, especially with lower budgets, what happens is, is you don't have enough data flowing through each of the campaigns. And so similar to what people might be used to on the Facebook side, like in order for smart bidding to work properly, it needs to have enough data points. And so I encourage people to try to condense and merge campaigns as much as possible, unless there's like a business reason to break it out into a separate campaign. And a lot, and those, it, it could be anything for budget allocation. Like you want to spend a certain percentage of your budget on a certain product or category. It could be um, based on location. You want to 
you know, target a certain part of the country over, over another part of the country or a different country. So those are like reasons that you really need to break things out. Um, but as typically we try to condense as much as possible to allow the system to, to have better learnings and, and be more efficient. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's a common thing on the Facebook site as well. And like any ad platform uh, that used to like, that used to work sometimes, but uh, yeah, I mean, on the Google side, on the Google side, even more than Facebook, that used to be important to break it out because you needed that extra level of control, especially before we were as reliant on smart bidding. Um, But for for today and and the the world that Google ads is in today, it's, it's definitely, it, it can actually hurt performance if you have it too granular. Yeah. Too granular. It's like, uh, Sometimes how I try to explain it or try to like visualize it for people who aren't media buyers and they're trying to understand, like you have like five buckets and you're pouring water into each one and each bucket gets a little water. And so so that's all your different campaigns. And if you just put one bucket there, then you put all the water in the buckets full. So you're like, Hey Google, like here's more data. Here's more water to like learn quicker. So Exactly. I mean, it it is important to note that the system does have all that conversion data on the account level. Um, But for whatever reason, the smart bidding, you know, it it looks at the overall account level data. It also looks at non, like non attributable data. So for example, if your website got 100 orders, and only 50 of them came from Google Ads, it it sees the full visibility into all of it. And it's got data on those people um, based on their audiences and the different ways you connect through Google's network. So it's able to use more than just the data in the account, but but that campaign's performance does have a larger impact on the overall algorithm. Sweet. Yeah. No, okay. That that's really good to know. That I did I actually didn't know that about uh Google Ads. So really really helpful there. Um so uh performance max is a uh a, new ish uh you'd know better than me of when it came out and it's been in beta or it's been rolling out more and it's now as my understanding is going to become like the standard uh for campaign types so how what's what's this all about how did when did that start and what's like the biggest changes sure sure so until now or in recent years like if you were if you're an e-commerce store you were typically running google shopping ads and there's been two types. There's the standard shopping campaigns where you have a lot of control. You can look at what keywords are driving traffic, add negative keywords. You can manually adjust bids if you wanted to, or use smart bidding. Um, and you can see a lot more data within the campaign. It, it, you know, A few years back, Google introduced what they call smart shopping, which is pretty much a fully automated shopping campaign. The, the only inputs you really have is like target these products and try to hit this KPI, you know, get me a ROAS of three to one. And that has actually worked really, really well for a lot of our clients. And and just in speaking with other folks, smart shopping really did an amazing job of finding the right consumers at a great price. Um, Google is trying to build on that with Performance Max. So Performance Max, um, it, it came out in beta originally over like a year and change. Um, for retail, it's it's a lot newer, um, but at this point, Google has fully depreciated smart shopping and replaced it with Performance Max that kind of merges a bunch of different campaign types into one. So some of those are like dynamic search campaigns, 
which are, are search campaigns that you don't input keywords. The system just creates them automatically based on the pages you're targeting. They also pulled in local campaigns, which are typically used for more lead gen service providers. And so Performance Max on its own is not a smart shopping replacement. Um, it's one of the functions that it that it replaces, but it can go a lot farther in terms of, of exposure and where the ads can show. So shopping campaigns, while it did show ads on, let's say, Google's display network or, or some of their third-party networks aside from search, it was always building an ad based on the products in your feed, the image, the title, the price, all that kind of information um, with very limited exceptions. With Performance Max, it's not strictly e-commerce. You can use it for lead gen campaigns without a data feed, um, and it can be built in a lot different ways and so we're, we're finding that it's it's a bit of a mixed bag but it can work really well if you again give it the right inputs going back to our, our you know where we started this conversation um but yeah we, we find that it can be run in very very different ways for different clients based on on the type of product they have and what their goals are so that is a good starting point for performance max and you're mentioning the in right inputs so what are those things my, from my understanding and how I interpret this and how, what I've learned about it is like, you're like, all right, Google, here's all of my stuff. Go pick what works best. And I trust you to like, uh, give me the results I want and need. So do, do you give it text, like images, like what are you feeding into the yeah, so one of the main differences between Performance Max and Smart Shopping is besides for your data feed, which is coming from Merchant Center with all your product information, you create what they call asset groups. So you can create a folder with images, videos, ad copy, kind of all piled together. And then what Google does is it will mix and match and create ads across its full network, which includes Google Search and Shopping, um, Gmail, YouTube, the Discover feed on Android and the iOS Google app, as well as the Google Display Network. Um, that last part can sometimes drive a lot of spammy traffic, so it's important to make sure that the system really understands what's, what's driving revenue for you. Um, but what's super interesting about it is that you can create Performance Max campaign with a shopping feed only, and then it runs a lot more like Smart Shopping. You can create Performance Max with only creative assets. Don't give it the data feed. Just give it you know, videos, images. And the truth is that this is something I don't hear a lot of people talk about. But if you're seeing success on paid social, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, that's something that you should try because it'll take your top performing images and videos and push it out on YouTube and Gmail and some really good placements. And that could work really well. And then there's Performance Max as it was intended to just fill it all up, give it your data feed, give it all the assets and let the system go with it. So those are really the three different ways that, that we've run it. And for each client, we test and, and run what works best. Okay. Yeah, so that's interesting. So I'm relating it to uh, what I know of Facebook is like ad set budget versus cam like CBL, campaign budget optimization. Like I'm just I'm forcing this audience and this creative and I'm this budget, just this, like this one pipe. And then I'm going to make a new pipe and like force the budget in like this angles and all that stuff with the audiences. So that sounds similar-ish uh, to Performance Max and what you could potentially do on that side. For sure. I think that the one large distinction, so with Performance Max, there is no actual audience targeting. You cannot tell the system, target 
this specific audience. The way the way it's built, and I think um, Facebook is trying to move towards that with Advantage Plus shopping campaigns, is that you can provide the system signals. They call them audience signals. You can upload um, lists of your, your previous customers, your email subscribers, your website visitors, or you can build audiences off of keywords that people who've searched for things on Google. And the system just uses it as a signal for who it should go after. And so it's it's not pure targeting. It's more of just a seed audience for the system. Yeah, I get, yeah, that, that's, that sounds about right. Sounds very similar. Uh, and both Facebook and Google are moving towards these, like you said, the Vantage Plus uh, Performance Max, this, ah, just give us everything, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it, don't worry about it. So uh, I know it's supposed to be like more efficient. It's all combined. They, the robots know more than us at times, so. It's this it's tough balance like between the two, um, but that's where they're headed, and it's more black boxy at times. Yeah, definitely, and and we find that that performance max is not for everyone. You know, like for a lot of our clients, we're we're sticking with standard shopping, using smart bidding, um, or, or you know different account structures. For some clients, we'll have a mixture of performance max alongside with regular shopping it's a bit tricky because performance max takes precedence over shopping so if you have all your products in a performance max campaign it won't serve in shopping so you've got to segment it and build it out in certain ways but yeah there's definitely you know many different ways it can be set up and i I highly recommend that you, you test but have patience to monitor and and optimize and then figure out your strategy based on that okay so in terms of patience and budget what is your and this is so, so, it varies by client and your budget and the products and all this stuff but I'm just trying to get give a decent starting point for people in terms of oh how much budget should i give to a single campaign is it like a is there a basic formula you have as a- yeah so so I, I think the latest recommendations from Google are setting the budget to be about 10 to 15 times your target CPA. So whatever you're aiming for as your target cost per acquisition, just multiply that by 10 or 15. Um, you, you can start with less, but that that's kind of the framework that they're working with. They used to say 5x. Now I think it's at 10 or 15. Um, but in terms of having patience for it, it, it really does depend how much traffic comes through and how much conversion data, but typically performance max can take anywhere from like two to six weeks to hit a stable place. Because what happens is out of the gate, it starts to send a ton of traffic. And because remember, it's got to try getting traffic from all these different channels and networks, search, shopping, display. And and when it finds pockets of success, then it sort of stabilizes on that. And so you kind of have to have the patience to walk it through that without making drastic changes, but, you know, maybe making smaller changes, tweaking the, the ad copy, the creative, uh, what products are in the campaign, maybe your, your bid goal, you know, tweaking your bid KPI slightly, um, but, but allowing the system the time to, to work through all of it. A quick reminder from our sponsor, ShareID. Find your next lifetime customers by providing verified discount codes based on occupation or life stage. Speak directly to veterans, students, teachers, first responders, and continue to tailor your messaging to them in the future with post-purchase emails and text messages. Make them feel seen with your brand by using ShareID to seamlessly verify their email in seconds 
during the purchase process. Go to shearid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Wow. Yeah. Two to six weeks and like, uh, even me, I was like, whoa. And uh, I like, I'm a, I'm meeting, but I know that, like, I know it takes time, but, uh, I think a lot of founders, like there's, it's their baby. This brand is their baby. Their products are their little babies. Like they're bootstrapped. They're, they don't have a ton of money lying around. Like to say just like, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend just setting it and leaving it for two to four weeks. Cause there is a lot you can change. What I mean is not to change anything that's like fundamental. So like, let's say you don't want to like keep switching your bid strategy between, you know, max clicks, max conversions, target CPA, target ROAS, like settle on, on something. Typically we start out performance max, um, on like a max conversion strategy, just drive as many conversions as it can, knowing that it's not going to be super profitable in the first couple of weeks, but it will gather more data and then switch to target ROAS. Um, but be a little bit like, non-aggressive in the beginning and then slowly incrementally get it to where you want it to go and then like i mentioned you can there's a lot you can optimize within the campaign itself so you can you you can run through your all your creative assets make sure that everything is showing an excellent strength you can run through the insights and see like where the traffic's coming from maybe you need to tweak product descriptions titles and also like if you notice anything that is super off like let's say one product is driving all the traffic but not any sales you can exclude that product from the campaign and so that it, it focuses on other things so that there's a um a lot a lot you can do to optimize along the way don't just sit and watch no sure okay no that makes that makes a lot of sense uh good clarification there uh appreciate that so uh, I know we kind of jumped right into performance max and we, like, this is where it's going and like kind of, uh, it's not fully taken over. Like it's not, Google's not all forcing you to only do performance max as of right now. Uh, they're hinting that's where it's going, I believe. Uh, and that's like kind of the only campaign type you'll be able to do, uh, at some point. But, uh, as of right now, you can still do like what I believe is some of the original like search camp, like search types is like. And so it's a search campaign and typically uh, my understanding is brands and media buyers break it down to brand search and non-branded search. So let's like, let's talk about that. Like, I want to know what you think about branded search. Uh, and like, th there's a lot of, some people, a lot of controversy around, oh, you shouldn't be spending any on brand search. You should maximize brand search. And so just wanted to like get into that a little bit more. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, as you can imagine, that's a conversation that I've had many times, <laughs> um, you know, and then as somebody in paid media, my recommendation is to run brand search. Um, I like to think that the reasoning makes sense, but typically we recommend running brand search if your competitors are advertising against your brand name. So if I go to Google and search for your brand and none of your competitors are there, you likely don't need to spend money on paid ads. Um, but usually any brand that that's has any meaningful level of traction is going to have competitors coming after them. And in that case, we recommend running brand search. However, um, I, that's the one place that I typically don't recommend using smart bidding, because if you try to use like a target ROAS or a target CPA bid strategy with, with a branded search campaign, it just keeps like the mandate is go find me as many conversions as you can within this framework. Whereas in reality for branded search, your goal is just to make sure you show up as close to 100% of the time as possible. So typically we'll either use manual bids 
or target impression share and tell the system, you know, I want to show up top of the page 90 to 100% of the time. And you'll find that it'll get you that search impression share without having to pay crazy costs. And that that's typically where, where it, it serves your purposes. You show up, make sure nobody's conquesting you, taking over your clients, and you're paying as little as possible for it. Yeah. Okay. So um, if I'm understanding and following what you said correctly, if you don't have competitors, you should not spend at all or as much on brand search. Is that right? Yeah. So if I go to Google and search for your brand and none of your competitors are advertising against your name and your SEO listing is coming up number one, your organic ranking, then there's really no reason to run it. The only time the only time it makes sense to run it is if your competitors are showing up before you by putting ads. So like if you don't run ads, your competitor ads are showing up before your organic listing. That's really where you need it. Okay. No, that's that makes sense. So because even like uh, there's a lot of people that like see a Facebook or Instagram ad and like, oh, I don't want to click on this ad. I'm going to go Google it and like find the website myself. It's like, okay. But then they like type it in Google and then, oh, I don't want to click the ad. I'm just going to go find the the listing. So, so there is, there is another component there. And sometimes we'll have clients that will want, want to run ads regardless because you can control, you can fully control the copy, the landing page and all that. So if, if you're spending a lot on paid social and now people are searching for your brand, even if your competitors are not advertising, you might want to run ads so that you can force the traffic to go to a specific landing page that you can be on top of the ad copy. Um, and if the cost is, is worth it, it's worth it. You know, so th those are the things we really take into consideration. Right. Okay. Cause then it's not just, Oh, uh, I have this hero product versus, or I have, dozens or hundreds of products. And if, if they're searching for a specific one, they type in the brand name plus this, I can see how having that like landing page and like the, controlling that process would be really helpful. So that's really neat. That's, that's appreciate that explanation. Uh, that helps, helps me a lot. Um, so then non-branded search. So that's not your brand name in the search terms. You're, say you're selling mattresses uh, and you want to like bid on re those related key keywords, like organic mattresses or mattresses made in the USA, mattress in a box, uh, low mattress sh stores near me, all these sort of things. Like that's what non-branded search means. So, so yeah, let's we'll talk about the difference between that and like how you think about that. Yeah. Yeah, so non-branded search is definitely important. It's it's high intent, um, and and there's there's some keywords that are more long tail and some more short tail. So like somebody searching for mattress store near me is probably earlier in the buying cycle than somebody searching for Sealy Posturepedic mattress or you know whatever is more specific keyword. And so we typically break them out in, in that way depending on the budget. Typically, we try to grab the lowest hanging fruit. The the keywords with the highest intent tend to be more long tail. Um, but something that, that we find works really well is Google has what they call dynamic search ads, which again are can be part of Performance Max, but you can run them on its own where you just give Google the, the categories of your website, the pages you want to send traffic to, and it chooses whatever keywords it wants. And, and we find that that can work really well, again, as long as the system you know sees the conversion data coming through. 
So, you know, you just got to make sure that you block your branded search terms by adding negative keywords so it doesn't just eat up all your brand traffic and make sure that it only drives like that non-brand or generic search terms. But yeah, th those definitely can work well, but you really have to stay on top of it and, you know, add negative keywords, make, make sure that it's, it's pushing in the right direction. So my understanding uh, for keywords and phrases is that there's a couple different types you can use. There's exact match and broad match and phrase match. So what ones would you recommend for someone kind of just starting out or generally speaking, uh, if you're like, you're pretty beginner and you're not going to be staring at your ad account, like two hours a day, right? Like you're kind of doing it, you're checking in on it. You're, you're kind of doing it yourself. Yeah. So Google has made a lot of advancements to their algorithmic processes and how they match keywords to search terms um it, you know in the past if you asked me this question three four years ago i would say stay far away from broad match keywords um in in its true sense exact phrase and broad don't work like they used to exact matches uh, the way i like to think of it is exact match is the most narrow it's going to find keywords that are as close as a match as possible to what you inputted um, phrase match is a little wider and broad match is kind of like Let's Google do whatever it wants as long as it drives towards your goal. And so for e-commerce stores, it's definitely easier than, than let's say lead gen campaigns because the system sees the revenue that it's driving. So it'll start driving traffic for more broad keywords, either it drives sales or it doesn't. If it doesn't drive sales, it'll slowly take away traffic from those keywords and start shifting towards keywords that are converting, or at least in theory, that's how it should work. It doesn't always, um, so typically, especially with smaller budgets, we recommend just doing phrase match because it's like wide enough that you can capture a lot of search volume without going crazy. But as you increase your budgets, you'll find that, you know, you're capturing all the available searches. You kind of need more. And, and then we'll start layering on more broad match, which again, as the system has a lot of conversion data, it can do a better job of, of taking advantage of that. Got it. Okay. And so if you're just like, you're starting small, you maybe have like a hundred dollars a day or something, right? Total across the brand search and non-brand search. So would you recommend sort of the like two campaigns or like in two like ad sets of the non-branded, like what is the... Yeah. So it, yeah. So in, in that specific scenario, what I would do is set up one campaign with only the brand keywords as like exact match and phrase match, target impression share. So capture whatever you can. And then in another campaign, you'll you'll put on more broad keywords, but also just phrase match. Don't go too crazy. But that one, it would give the system guidance and either use a target CPA or a target ROAS so that it it can match with what it knows is going to drive your business bottom line. Again, you might need to start those campaigns with a more manual bid strategy or maximize clicks just to drive some traffic, drive some conversions, and then switch to, to your goal. But you, you definitely need to stay on top of that one a bit more. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. That's, that's a good starting point. It's keep it simple, like reduce the amount of buckets that you have. So your budget, your small budget isn't spread out as much. Um, okay, cool. That makes sense. Um, so. Uh, one thing, uh, this we're recording middle like November 9th, uh, and your episode should be out next week, uh, or tomorrow, I forget. Uh, next week, next week. Uh, so like you saw two weeks before Black Friday. Uh, so how do you 
and just because it's not Black Friday, it could be like any sale or new product launch or holiday, right? Well, how do you think about and change your strategy or thinking or structure? How do you prepare for those sale periods? How do you pre- prepare for holidays and like Black Friday? Yeah, definitely um, a good question and super timely right now. I mean, what again, with anything that's using automated systems and AI, you got to be careful not to make changes that are too drastic because it can throw off the system. But at the same time, Google's algorithms have gotten really sophisticated and they already know, you know, Black Friday's coming and, you know, spend is going to spike, conversion intent is going to spike. So their systems already account for a lot of that stuff. Um, but typically we recommend like try to ramp up in increments if possible in terms of like budget and, and bid, try not to make too many drastic changes. And then in terms of just promoting the actual sale, you know, typically we, let's say you're going to have a a promotion of a certain percentage off. You can add that as an ad extension in Google ads that layers on top of all your campaigns. So coupon code, and then in merchant center, you can set a promotion, save 20% off, use coupon code X. And that layers on top of your, your different campaigns. Um, But it's also a really good idea to, if you're using performance max update your creative for youtube ads discovery ads all that stuff update your creative to promote those promotions um and they actually google actually just announced the ability to schedule asset groups in performance max in advance so you can upload your black friday sales stuff right now get it approved get it ready and it won't go live till you're ready for it so definitely try try to be prepared as much as possible and and take care of all that stuff to promote your, your sales event. Yeah. Okay. That That's good. That makes sense. Uh, and it's neat that they're able to schedule those asset groups now rather than like, okay, I got to upload it. And then it just goes live. Right. Is that's how it was before that? Wow. That's actually, that's, that's a little nuts. Uh, okay. So you mentioned one thing I want to uh, go back on is you mentioned uh, don't like, just don't just double or triple your budgets and go crazy and change it all too much all at once. You want to slowly like ramp up your spend is kind of what you're saying. So what's a general guideline rule of thumb of what you mean by like ramping up in terms of percentage of spend and over time, like what, how many days, weeks, et cetera. Yeah. So typically we try to do it in like 10, 20% increments. Um, but again, it's not always possible. Like, you know, if a client is running a crazy sale black Friday through cyber Monday weekend, Sometimes you need to, you know, triple your budget or more. And and that's fine. Like I said, the systems are built. The algorithm is understanding of that and it does adapt as well as possible. I think like our job is to minimize shock to the system as, as much as possible. So again, if you need to, if you have a sale that you need to support, you know, go for it. Just, you know, watch it closely. But at the same time, like if it's, if it's a sale that's starting earlier um, and you're able to ramp up, in a, in a slower and steady way, you'll probably be better off that way. And that's what we've seen in like, you know, recent sales and promotions that, that we've run. But again, Black Friday is, is a very different thing and Google does account for that in their algorithms. So, how do I wanna ask this? So in terms of these changes to the sale periods, Black Friday, holidays, um, how important is it to be on the same page with your clients and like understanding what their business goal is and the outcome they're looking for versus just like only, 
oh, I've updated the ads account, but like, how do you make sure you align and communicate and plan ahead to, you know, talk about this stuff ahead of time and not the week, like a few days before the holiday? Yeah, I mean, listen, you definitely can set up everything last minute, but I find that the more prepared you are, the better it's it's going to work. And so we typically, you know, reach out to our clients, you know, way before, try to find out what the promotions are, um, what timeframes they'll be running for, what the sales goals are, if there are any, and then, you know, this way you can make budget recommendations or changes to the campaigns as needed with enough time to, to really see this, the performance you want to see. So... Yeah, I think as close as you can get to the business goal, that that's, you know, the holy grail. Google works best when it's aligned with the, the, the business goals. That makes sense. Um, and then how, how do you manage like, oh, we have a new landing page that is for this sale or for we have a new product coming out. Um, are you creating, I guess it depends if you're doing like performance max or not, but uh, how do you add those new assets in? How do you manage like products going out of stock during sales? Like, how do you kind of optimize during the thick of it? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of different pieces in there. I think that the easiest part to answer is if a product goes out of stock, um, usually Google is updated pretty quickly and it stops serving traffic to it. If it's a high volume website or high volume campaign, you probably want to go in there manually and just kick it out so you don't have to wait for that time lag for the system to, up, to update and continue driving traffic. Um, outside of that, I mean, testing, like if new products are being launched, it really does depend on the campaign setup. So like if, if it's a smaller SKU volume store where there's only a handful of products, you probably need to build something out to support that a bit more. Whereas some e-commerce stores might have thousands or hundreds of that or thousands of products in that case typically the campaigns would be structured in a way that new products come in and go based on category to a certain campaign or something like that um, but if it's if it's for like a, a new product launch that's super important you likely either want to build out a new campaign so you can allocate a separate budget to it or a separate asset group or a separate um, with the new creative and everything to support it properly got it okay I see. I see. That makes sense. Um, so then how, how big of a change is it? Like everyone talks about before Black Friday and during Black Friday or like sales, right? How do you, what do you change afterwards? How does that come down? Like, how do you ramp down the budgets? How, what changing out assets, like client expectations, communication of like, okay, we just ran the sale. Like we're not going to stay at that same high performance. You know, how do you kind of come down after the sale? Yeah, so I, I find that that is something that does need to be monitored closely because while the system does account for sales events like that, the algorithm is supposed to know Black Friday is over, Cyber Monday is over. A lot of times the spend won't come down as fast. And so you definitely do want to be on top of it. And if you see like your top line revenue is really slowed down and, and your revenue is still pacing to spend this, uh, your campaign still pacing to spend the same, you, you want to take manual steps there to, to push it down. Um, something interesting that Google has introduced over the past couple of years is what they call seasonal adjustments. So you can actually go in your Google ads accounts under the settings and tell the system, like, I expect my conversion rate to double between this date and that date. And so it, it layers that onto what the algorithm knows and it, it might help kind of slow it down. I'm, I'm a bit wary to touch that stuff, um, except when I know like it's absolutely needed. But yeah, typically I recommend watching budgets closely and adjusting in, in real time as needed after 
the, the sales event. Sweet. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Seasonal. What you said a seasonal adjustment. Yeah. The, seasonal yeah, adjustment. Just, and, 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 yeah. Yeah, and by the way, that's super useful if because a lot of times we'll ha see a scenario where let's say website developer push changes and the tracking broke and like for three days Google didn't see any conversion data, that can really throw off the smart bidding and performance of a campaign. So you can actually tell the system like ignore all data between these days, and it, it helps. So it's it's sort of like a an extra layer that's not necessarily needed but good to have. Okay, so you're tell you're saying. If it's broken, for like from three days ago, I can go back. Hey, yeah. back in time, like retroactively, be like, ignore that. Exactly, that was, a, that was a bug. That was an issue. Like, exactly, silly us. Like, don't worry, robot. Like, that wasn't on you. Yeah. <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing. Just ignore those three days. Exactly. Wow, that's 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 really cool. I had no idea. I don't think uh, don't think Facebook has anything quite like that. So uh, that's yeah. too bad because you know there's always issues with Facebook uh, off and on. Okay, so uh, we're uh, gonna start landing the plane here, uh, proverbial plane, on this episode and recording. Um, what is something that's been on top of your mind lately, or something that you thought I was gonna ask you, um, something that you just want to share or jam on the last few minutes here? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think obviously performance max has been on my mind a lot. Um, really, just trying to figure it out make the most of it um but outside of that i mean i like my brain really just goes to to standard shopping is like the true bread and butter uh for a lot of e-commerce stores so I, I recommend don't run away from it completely especially if you've got a large enough catalog that you can split it and have some campaigns kind of running on one versus the other but really like understanding what drives new customer acquisition for a client is it which of the more specific campaign types and just trying to dive into that, I guess. Okay. So if you did have, say, uh, we have a makeup brand and then they have like, uh, lip gloss and eyeshadow and st eyebrow stuff. And like, clearly I use a lot of makeup. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying a bunch of words, but so we have these different, is it different categories like that? The, or is it that is that too narrow is that too large yeah i mean it, it really could be it could be thought of in any way like what we'll typically do is try to find like one or two categories that performance max is not seeing success in and push those to standard shopping or for you know some websites only have a handful of products so taking one or two either of the top performers the worst performers is something that's not spending enough maybe i wanted to get it to spend more and something that you need more of, of uh, another level of control so you can kind of push and pull the levers a bit more. It's it's super interesting to see how different things perform in, in the different campaign types. Sweet. Okay. Got it. So it could be categories uh, in that way. It could be much more broad and different with like a, a clothing boutique where it's much right. more varied of like shoes for shorts and skirts and boots and bracelets and accessories and right. hat, you know hats and bags like there's a lot more variety there yeah so definitely yeah. cool okay uh i that that makes sense that's cool to know good to know uh appreciate your time a lot man uh sure, where, sure. Yeah, where, can, where can, fun. yeah good good uh where can people find you if they want to hire you, talk to you, ask you questions? Uh, sure, where do you sure. Want to point so, people to? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Just look me up, Menachem Ani. I don't think there's too many people with, with my name. You should be able to find me. Um, or check out our website, jxtgroup.com. That's our, our agency. I'm always happy to talk e-commerce, Google Ads, and happy to help. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time and uh, expertise, enthusiasm, and everyone else listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, go check out um, Menachem's Twitter, LinkedIn, and website, jtxgroup.com. Thanks for listening and catch you on the next episode. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I love being able to do this, continue to learn and meet people in this industry. Every rating, review, and episode you share with a friend means so much to me as I'm bootstrapping this show as part of my media brand, High Key Geek. If you haven't checked out my other show, Brand Builders, you should. It's with myself and Tom Brown and Richie Mashiko. Two times a week, we talk in a much more casual setting, and we think out loud, we brainstorm, and we share our lessons as we continue to operate and run businesses in the DTC space today. We're not, we didn't exit, we didn't just consult and advise now, and we don't, we're in the trenches as we, like every day still. So we're learning in real time and sharing it with you as we go. That's Brand Builders on High Key Geek YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Catch you next time.